Presented by the United States Sentencing Commission, this is Sentencing Practice Talk, a regular podcast for federal sentencing practitioners covering topics of interest. Here are your hosts, Abisay Bayisa and Rachel Pierce. So Abisay, the question that I got today uh, is in relation to uh, child pornography offense. So this defendant was originally charged with five counts of production of child pornography. He ended up pleading to three of those counts, none of which actually involved sexual contact. Okay. So the two counts that were dismissed um, do involve sexual contact. So the question is, can the specific offense characteristic at 2G2.1B2 for the offense involving the commission of a sexual act or sexual contact be applied? Well, Rachel, as I know you know, we get a ton of question on relevant conduct in child pornography offenses. Absolutely. And I think the confusion is that depending on the type of offense, different relevant conduct rules apply. Right. So taking this offense of, or the offenses of conviction here, we've got um, production of child pornography offenses. And the first thing we have to do, even though we're talking about relevant conduct, is really go back to the grouping rules, mm -hmm, right? Because mm -hmm. the grouping rules drive whether or not expanded relevant conduct is going to apply. Right. And so what we do, <clears throat> when you go to 3D1.2D, you'll see that 2G2.1 um, is, is not listed as groupable. Right? right? And what that means is if it's not listed as groupable, we can't apply expanded relevant conduct. Mm -hmm. That is, when something is not groupable, we are limited to the offense of conviction and anything that the defendant did during the offense, in preparation for the offense, or in order to avoid detection for the offense. So those counts that he pled to are the only counts we can look at, right? And, and those don't involve the sexual conduct. Right. Right. Okay. Right. And because those offenses don't involve sexual contact, it is you can't look at the dismissed conduct and try to bring in conduct from that. Because you're not looking at same course of conduct, common scheme or plan. Exactly. Right. When you're not looking at same course of conduct, common scheme or plan, what we colloquial, colloquially refer to as expanded relevant conduct, right. Right. when you don't get to look at that, that means you can only look to see what happened during the count of conviction, right? So if it's something happened on a certain day, that's what we look at. And in this case, the, it's the dismissed counts that have got the sexual right, contact. Exactly. And so unless they're going to make an argument that somehow the sexual uh, contact was either in preparation for, during, or in order to avoid detection for the offense of conviction. Right it's not going to come in. Right. And, and you mentioned at the beginning of our discussion that, you know, there's different relevant conduct rules that apply to different types of offenses. Exactly. And I have found that that is a very confusing uh, point in these cases because these cases are so intertwined. So right. production of child pornography is limited to the relevant conduct analysis that looks at acts that are as you say, committed during in preparation right. to avoid detection or responsibility, but the possession of child pornography offenses aren't. Are, I mean, right. they're, they're subjected to this expanded relevant exactly. conduct that we talk about. You bring in one thing, you bring in everything. Exactly, but, but the possession and production, obviously those offenses are very much intertwined. And so I think that's right. why intuitively that doesn't make sense to folks that you would have a different standard of relevant conduct for those types of offenses. But I think that you know we can't point that out enough because that's exactly what's going on in these cases is there's different relevant conduct standards and you have to remember 
what your relevant conduct an analysis is depending on what guideline you're in. Right, and right. what I tell people is if you need a refresher, right, <laughs> just go back to 3D uh, 1.2D mm -hmm. and make sure you know which section, right, the included or excluded right. list your particular offense falls in because that's going to make a huge difference when it comes to relevant conduct. So almost really you should do that at the very beginning, just I, so you know what you're working with, right? I always tell people if you're going to, to the appendix and once you've figured out what your guideline is before you flip back to chapter two, right, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to look at it, stop by 3D 1.2D. Right. So you get, you get the heads up to right. know if you're dealing with. It makes a difference. And I think what happens is because child pornography offenses are so intertwined, mm -hmm. a lot of times you'll have a case where there's production and possession or possession or receipt and production, that people charge it all the same way or they forget sure. that there's different relevant conduct principles and then after a plea when somebody's calculating the guidelines, it's like that's the first time right. that they figured out that there's different relevant conduct principles that really affect someone's sentencing exposure. So that reminds me, the other thing that can get tricky is, is a cross-reference. So oh, if Lord. you start out at <laughs> 2G 2.2, which is the possession of child pornography guideline, and if you end up cross-referencing over to production, you need to be mindful that you're crossing into a different analysis of relevant conduct. Exactly. Which I've also seen to be problematic. I agree. In, in application. So I think definitely a stopover at 3D 1.2D is really important before you start calculating the substantive guidelines under Chapter 2. Sounds like great advice to me. This wraps up our episode of Sentencing Practice Talk. Today brought to you by the United States Sentencing Commission. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check back often for new topics. Sentencing Practice Talk, a regular podcast on federal sentencing issues. Please be advised that information provided by the Commission staff is offered to assist in understanding and applying the sentencing guidelines. The information does not necessarily represent the official position of the Commission, should not be considered definitive, and is not binding upon the Commission, the Court, or the parties in any case.